Hello and welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with your hosts Hattie Butterworth and me, Rebecca Toll. Within our vibrant musical world, it can often feel that the struggles and humanity of musicians is lost and restricted. Having both suffered in silence with mental, physical and emotional issues, we are now looking for a way to voice musicians' stories, discuss them further and to connect with the many others who suffer like we have. No topic will be out of bounds as we are committed to raising awareness for all varieties of struggle. So join me, Hattie and guests as we attempt to bring an end to stigma by uncovering the things musicians don't talk about. got a special tea drinking guest who says he doesn't want to be a guest <laughs> he's just somebody who randomly was hanging out in the same place as us and set up all the mics mr stuart beard oh hey can you um first of all give us a few facts about yourself fun facts for anyone listening doesn't know who you are um i'm stuart that's I'm... not fun facts something more fun <laughs> Um, for people that don't know me, I play the tuba. That's not fun either. Oh, this is not going to be a roast session, is it? It might be. Yeah, you can shush. Okay, let Sorry. him be himself. Just cool, calm and collected. That's, that's what I am. <laughs> no, you're not. You're really tall, you have a beard, and we like getting takeaways a lot. I heard about that. So, for context, uh, I'm Rebecca's partner, um, and cohabitor. <laughs> Yeah. Um. So I get to listen to all the backroom stuff of the pod. Ooh. All the editing dramas. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's Hattie getting angry about now? Sometimes I do really annoy you because you'll be watching TV and I'll just be editing the same bit over and over again and going back to the same word and like trying to get if it's over Zoom or something and they've been a there's been a bit of delay. Wow. And it'll be like and I'll be like trying to crop it and I'll just play the same word 20 times while Stuart's trying to watch the Olympics or something. Or try and make a beat out of those kind of little funny mouth (laughs) clips that people do like um or (laughs) That's great. So how's everything going in your life at the moment just in general? It's going okay. I can't complain. I'm I'm feeling quite quite tired today. Um, Went and got a a new fridge yesterday. It's, uh, well, it's not new. New to us. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Things musicians don't talk about. Is, is that the big? Is the big fridge new? That's uh, the big that fridge is, is so, the new one. You mean the bitch? The bitch. Oh, <laughs> oh, bitch. So, on a scale of one to ten, how, how anxious were you about joining us for our chat? Uh, pretty off the scales, you know. Um, <laughs> Wait, which way, up or down? Uh, up. Okay. Why? Uh, just because I like talking about mental health and talking about things that musicians don't usually talk about but in the privacy of my own home so like but being we are a... in the privacy of our own home oh stop it <laughs> um so being on like a kind of public forum is not what i'm used to when mm. kind of airing my own feelings thoughts opinions mm factual or otherwise so you can just say facts you don't have to say opinions if you don't want 
<laughs> well, I think I know far fewer facts than I have yeah, opinions. Even about yourself, you've got none. If we get too deep, you can just come in with a fun fact and cut us dead. Oh, no, that's too much pressure, so, though. I mean, we have a kind of list of, of topics. You want to keep us on track, don't you? I do, and because that is just who I am. Is it? So, I don't really know where to start, to be honest. We have a few topics to... Well, why don't you mm. tell our listeners about how you're doing? How's life? You're in London oh, now. Yeah. This is our first London chat. Yeah. We've had we've done an interview. But yeah, but we did. That was somebody else. This is Yeah, this is the first in-person chat. You can tell us all about like, your life now. Your London life. Okay, so my London life. It's interesting. It's definitely... I feel very privileged to be here. Like, definitely... Because especially witnessing, like, the crisis a lot of people are going through with housing, finding somewhere. And how expensive everything is suddenly. How busy everything's getting suddenly. Like, I don't know. It all feels very confusing. And I think I'm slightly annoyed in a way that I have to be here to do what I want. Not right here, right now. Not right here, right now. But in this city. It's like, it really gets to me that, like, in order to get experience in anything, I have to be in London. Like... That really angers me. I don't know why. But I, I do like being here, but it's not probably not going to be long term, mm-hmm. which has actually been really important for my mental health to see this as like six months. Mm. For context, my internship is six months. So that's nice. Like that, that makes me feel like I can cope with it all better. But I've definitely had like, especially in the last week, I feel like I had a kind of honeymoon period in January when I was working from home. And since the working from home thing stopped, I've been going into the office three times a week. And for some reason, that brings back all the, like, travel anxiety. And travel anxiety is, like, a massive part of things I struggle with because for some reason my intrusive thoughts are, like, ten times worse on the bus. Mm-hmm. And I think it's to do with, like, other people being there and my thoughts love to be with, other, like, on other people. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all about everyone. You're, you're living in the same area mm. as when you were yeah. before, right? Yeah, how's that been? I know you've talked about it. Yeah, up and down, to be honest. Like, it definitely feels different. But I have found myself avoiding places Mm -hmm. that I remember feeling a certain way in. And it's funny, I'm still trying to find this balance of, like, how far do I push my mental... My trauma, put it that way. (laughs) Like, how far do I, like, challenge my trauma? And how much do I, like, care for myself and, like think you don't have to do that today maybe this isn't the day to like be challenging yourself and I'm really learning that because like there are still I still feel like I have a long way to go with like helping myself recover I don't feel recovered and like come back to London's a big part of like the next step in my recovery with anxiety so I think it's like choosing the day is today the right day to push those insecurities or not mm-hmm. and last week has not been the week it's, it's been a really difficult week actually for me I was quite, like, stressed about getting the tube here today, mm-hmm. but all was fine. Good. Until I saw the football people. Oh, the football people. <laughs> <sighs> and then I was not fine. <laughs> but thank you for asking. It's It definitely feels better that, like, I'm living in a family home, actually, which feels, like, really nice in a strange way. As a lodger, do you... How does that affect your day-to-day compared to when you were... Yeah, living here before in a different kind of accommodation. Mm. I have this is a really funny thing to say, but like I have to be a lot more self-accepting about how awkward I am <laughs> because I literally every time I see someone and they are so lovely, they're like not awkward people. 
but I, I do some kind of weird like hiya or like <laughs> good morning you know when you're just like why did you do that yeah and I just have to like accept that that's just part of who I am when I don't know someone that well <laughs> what about like for me if I am ever like in an Airbnb or something mm. or not I mean there are other rental websites available um but to, you know if I was ever uh being hosted by someone and my mental health wasn't great mm. like the pressure to go and like eat with that person or see that person like I just wouldn't want to but I'd feel like I had to has it had an effect on your mental health at all I think it's quite an interesting situation because one of the first things I actually said to the family was that I had OCD because the per basically the whole story is she got in contact with me to ask if her son who has OCD could be taught theory by me not because she knew I had OCD anyway basically he needed to take things slower she was a bit worried about me not really understanding that it might be that he takes a lot longer with things and I said oh just so you know like this is something I really do understand maybe not exactly the same but like I have, I suffer with it, I deal with it. And then she does know about the podcast. I don't think she listens to it, but she knows about it. If she does, shout out. Hi, Augusta. Thanks for being so great. But I feel like I haven't told them like outwardly I'm struggling today or whatever, but I have, I've definitely said I'm finding work hard or something. And she's very easy to talk to. She's very open. She's a great listener. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's quite, it's quite an interesting situation. It's a good point. But I, the only thing I'm slightly struggling with is like, the evenings when I'm on my own, obviously, like, thoughts around, you know, depression is a lot worse for me in the evening. Anxiety, not so much. Anxiety is just on the bus. <laughs> and in the morning. What about the train? And the train even worse. What yeah. about planes? Oh, All of them. Don't push it, Rebecca. <laughs> um, but the evening, yeah, like, I have definitely had to overcome a lot of, like, not so helpful urges put Mm -hmm. it that way and so far I've done really well with that and like that's felt really good like I felt really proud about that so yeah that's kind of where it's at I feel like every time I think I'm fine something else will like knock me off but I feel like being in London has just brought me closer to like the highs and lows I don't know how you feel like everything feels so polarized I'll have such a good day yeah and then I'll have like the worst day of my life I think there's a slight pressure because you've come to London and everyone comes to London to you know work or but like to live their best life and I feel especially when I'm depressed I'm not making the most of living in London and I feel like that's a kind of constant pressure especially like there's so much music going on and as a musician it's like oh my gosh I haven't been to any concerts or I haven't you know Hmm. I think there's a bit of subconscious pressure yeah I'd really like to hear about both of your your decisions, like to let auditions go and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> We've talked about this a lot. <laughs> I just think it's so like, I don't know. Can yeah. you talk us through like what's happened recently with your yeah auditions and that? I think recently there have been a lot of trumpet jobs, especially in, like orchestral trumpet jobs up for grabs. So I've done a few auditions, but there's also been quite a few like emerging artist schemes and that kind of stuff. So this past couple of weeks, I received like two or three rejections and one kind of postponement of the announcements of one audition. So it's been pretty hectic with auditions and trying to balance it with 
teaching and counselling course and general life. I've still got two more tapes to do and that that's the other thing like some of them are recorded some of them are live so it feels like kind of different planning for everything um but yeah recently we both decided to not audition for something that we had been preparing for and yeah you helped me kind of because I'm always stressed (laughs) yeah I think it's very difficult especially like you say when you you tie living in London so much to like aspirations of career goals and wanting to almost I to live in London I need to succeed and I need to succeed to live in London that kind of Mm. duality this is why we asked him on the pod (laughs) (laughs) he's performing so then to be able to live in London you need to earn enough money to live there and then earning that money takes that time away from pursuing certain elements of your career whether that's the way you intended it or not and yeah even especially over lockdown we were both working jobs that actually in hindsight aren't the jobs that we want to do well we knew that at the time as well yeah like applied for them to be transparent about it (laughs) but that was a necessity Mm. to stay here during that time and now it's kind of feeling like the world's more open and we're doing more of what we originally wanted to do when we moved to London but we're stuck in this loop of got to earn money to live here but that's taking time away from preparing for auditions and and doing the things taking the steps to further yourself in all the places that you want to for me I'm to be transparent like teaching I enjoy it but I don't get anywhere near the buzz off playing in orchestra or just playing in general and therefore it's really hard to say oh actually maybe I need to reduce my student base so what was the lead up to deciding like no one audition too many I think for me it was a combination of I as much as it this audition had been in my mind I hadn't taken the steps to organize Mm. having a recording space with a piano and being a bit on the back foot that wise but that exacerbated the issues that were already there underlying and maybe I hadn't done that because I in my mind kind of subconsciously knew that actually this audition is one too many Mm -hmm. so I'm going to sabotage myself by not setting myself up to be able to do it but I think the context that we both felt that actually it's going to be for the best if we don't do it is more the things that we've got coming up straight after and the things that this audition would lead to versus mm. things other success auditions success in another audition yeah and like the preparing for this audition that we decided not to do was directly <laughs> impacting other auditions or like the preparation for the auditions straight after all these unnamed auditions yeah. everywhere give us jobs please it's a funny thing of like it's not as if you'd say lucerne and they'd be like other random contemporary music festivals are available yeah exactly. there really aren't any. <laughs> but yeah for me i always feel like such a failure and i know that stuart's also felt 
pretty down when it's transpired that he doesn't end up submitting something for an audition but there's such a pressure to apply for things either because there aren't many jobs so you obviously you should go for everyone that comes up or when there are so many it's like wow there are so many jobs the trumpet jobs are bounteous at the moment like and I was talking to a friend yesterday about the fact that there is such a presumption that you will apply for everything even if it means moving your family if you have a family even if it means breaking up with whoever like if you had to move to a different country even a different city and it meant you had to be long distance or you know it also presumes lots of financial things like moving house is expensive or being able to put a deposit down somewhere is expensive or like for me having you know three cats like would mean finding somewhere that would allow a cat of course we should aim to fulfill our goals but especially when applying for auditions it's uh yeah that that job should come before anything yeah and actually every audition should especially with yeah the example of trumpet there being really quite a lot of uh, like an abnormal amount of job opportunities at the moment versus tuba where (laughs) you're really getting chances very infrequently and these auditions don't come up regularly so when you have opportunities and you don't take them it feels very why the hell didn't i do that yeah exactly yeah i think that's a really good point i've definitely felt that as well and like there can be i don't don't know i had this time in uh basically in the autumn term where I'd been on the Chipping Camden course, remember? And I was like, had the biggest buzz and everything felt like, wow, orchestra, yes, orchestra. So I was like, can't be that hard to audition and, you know, mm, have I'm, a shot. Yeah, I'm doing go. this course, so I must be yeah, good enough. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just wasn't prepared for the emotional impact of one audition. It was a tutti cello position in the Welsh National Opera. Like, my, my parents were like, yeah, that's not too bad. It's easy, isn't it? Like, you're just playing, you know, the bass part in a in a random Welsh opera. Like, it's fine. Yeah. And the amount I had to learn for that, oh my gosh. I, I travelled to get lessons for that. I put my whole life on hold for that. You didn't get past the first round. There were three mm. rounds, you know. Like, it was it was so difficult. Like, I just so associate. Yeah. It's too much. I think you made a very good decision. Well, Stuart usually helps me make these decisions. It sounds like it. It sounds like you got your head as a good on. Yeah, this guy. Uh, What I kind of want to talk about is slightly related. Slightly related. I came across this idea of, I said it to you, the sunk cost fallacy. Love it. Don't worry if you've never heard of it. It's science. I think it's more like sociology. Wow. Yeah, I know. And it's basically to do with the idea that we can't give something up, even if it's bad for us, if we put our time and money and energy into it. And I just thought, am I being exposed here a little bit? Yeah, (laughs) I feel that. I feel that with so many things, so many projects. That's kind of like auditions as well. Yeah. And I just thought it'd be really interesting to talk about that because I found it from a, a girl who had trained to be a lawyer have you heard of Eve Cornwell? I'm YouTube. shaking my head. She's on YouTube. Okay. And she'd literally trained to be a lawyer for like, she'd done her law degree. She'd then done two years in law in London and then decided, no, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And she basically did a whole video about why it was so hard to give up. 
and everything she was saying, I was like, I can just so imagine that is music for mm. a lot of people. And I don't know, like, why do you think we find it so hard to admit that we might be feeling a certain way about it? It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to give it up, but it's like when it involves money from a young age, when it involves your parents' money from a young age, and it involves, you know, all this stuff. And I, the amount of times I've thought, mm, maybe I want to do more journalism or mm, maybe I want to do even this job in shot. Like, I'm not practising mm. very much at all, you know, and that's constantly in my head every day is a little bit of, oh my gosh, but like the amount of hours I did when I was in college, I'm letting that all go. Like, I need to get back to it as soon as possible because all this time and energy and effort... But then I think, actually, if I was doing that alongside, would I be happy? And mm. I'm like, no, that would be too much, you know? Yeah, I definitely feel you. And I, yeah, I'm in the notes that you put about it, there was an example of, like, romantic relationships mm. and that people find it so hard to break up with people because they've put in this time and energy. And it's so true. And I also think, going back to music, that, I mean, for sure, like, I was playing music when I was young because my parents wanted me to. And that was then, like... I went to a specialist music school because my parents kind of said, well, somebody else suggested it and then passed it on to my parents who then kind of suggested it. And it felt like I was just always being carried by the expectation that I would keep doing it. And so then, of course, especially if you're a people pleaser, um, the, you know, the worst thing would be to turn around at 25 and be like, oh, sorry, guys, I've let you down, <laughs> but I'm not actually going to do this mm. but also because all of the people that you know at this stage are your musician colleagues colleagues for the most part yeah. so it feels like by giving up music you would not only be giving up this time and energy and money that you put into it but also the whole community like your whole world and it's like well who who would i talk to then mm. i couldn't possibly like face the because there's such a taboo around giving up music because it's you've quote-unquote failed um so I couldn't possibly face all these other musicians because they would think the worst of me if I quit I think that's how I'd feel about it mm. what about you Stuart yeah um it made, immediately gets me thinking about like when you're at music college and somebody in your department or even somebody you know has made that conscious decision to be like actually this isn't for me I want to go do something else because I'm either not being fulfilled at this or I don't see myself enjoying it 10 years down the line. Or it's a very immediate problem of this is not what I want and this is not how I want to live. And the conversations that happen surrounding it, it's like, it feels like, oh, well, maybe maybe they're not good enough. But I'm I'm always in the camp of, yeah, if somebody wants to go do something else other than music, fuck yeah. <laughs> Is, is this a swearing podcast? Are we allowed Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, open the floodgate. Um, <laughs> and all I want to be is proud of mm -hmm. them for making that incredibly hard decision. But you always see those people thrive, I usually think, mm -hmm. when you see them outside of the world of music. Um, and actually, if they are coming back to music, they're doing it because they really love it and they enjoy it. and maybe they're hitting on more of the reason why they started playing in the first place mm. i consider giving up all the time you know yeah, all the time me too and i think the thought 
I can't quite work out whether the the sort of reciprocal thought is either oh what would everyone think or is it oh that would be sad but I'm like what is that that would be sad about I think that that would be sad is because I love playing and I love performing blah 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 but actually if I really kind of dig into it it's like my experiences with performing have been more bad than good really in terms Mm. of anxiety you could say other things I want to do fulfill me more or I'll have less anxiety involved but I think going back to the Chip and Camden thing I did notice with that and with a lot of things that I feel is that I always think I don't want to do it and then it usually the world shows me that I do but actually my thoughts around something are very much wrong I don't know if this all relates to it but it does so often my thoughts are like I want to give up this is too much effort this is too much pressure this is you know and then I'll do something and it'll be like oh my god imagine if I'd have given up like I wouldn't have had that experience you know so it's more about like experiences show me why to stay rather than like the thoughts yeah I don't know I feel for me that the feelings of wanting to give up because of a bad experience are as visceral as the feeling like the positive feelings of yeah say going to Lucerne and doing the festival there like that was one of the best experiences of my life like I came back I was so buzzing to play contemporary music and that felt as powerful as like especially this week feeling overwhelmed with everything Mm -hmm. being like I can't take any more rejection I can't keep doing this teaching just to support my trumpet career that's going nowhere for me they feel on par Mm. but would you say you feel in terms of like frequencies do you feel one way more often than the other you were saying earlier that it feels like you're doing the things that you want to be doing in life at the moment and for me I don't feel that like I feel that I'm working towards things that I want to be doing but I'm not sure if I'll ever get there and so the thoughts about giving up the thoughts about will I ever make it you know are so they outnumber the positive like wow like I love this a thousand to one yeah it's just and it's the pressure that you should use that one to like motivate you towards the other all this toxic positivity but it's like that's not the reality like the reality is it sucks for you right now like you would love to be freelancing in professional orchestras like that's the level you're at and you're not there and it's not fair and it's annoying it it coincided with my tutor my counseling course telling me that my attendance wasn't good enough (laughs) and like I was like but I literally took on just like one piece of work this week and it, it turned out that I'd missed three so far this year and we had a good conversation about um you know it is particularly hard as a freelancer particularly after like all the lockdowns and stuff it feels like you have to take everything and it feels like financially I have to take everything like you know I don't get paid to be at my counselling course but if I could earn like 150 quid doing a concert and rehearsal obviously I'm going to take that Mm -hmm. sometimes yeah it just comes down to blunt numbers absolutely but I do think it's especially difficult when when you do feel passionately about several things to know how how to balance them and like what kind of time and energy needs to go into each of them while still maintaining kind of a sustainable work ethic? I feel like the default, like people seem to love to perform, you know, and it's like all they seem to live for. 
and I don't seem to be able to do that and I've always struggled with that because as a musician like if you tell a non-musician that you're a musician they assume that you're this outgoing like person that loves to be centre stage loves being like doing concerts and stuff but for me the reality is so different Mm. like I love rehearsals yeah but concerts I would not do that's the thing I used to love practice and hate performing Mm. like I used to think to myself, if I could just do this every day, just get my cello out, play these, like, random little pieces, you know, and just never have to play to anyone, that would be my dream, Mm. you know? And I'm slightly thinking, like, oh, my God, am I just, like, meant to be an amateur? (laughs) (laughs) Am I just meant to do it for fun and not for a job? Whoa, crazy. Who knows? Who knows? But that's the funny thing about, like, public speaking, Mm. is that public speaking, for me, is something... That I think for some performers, they they would enjoy performing in the way that I enjoy public speaking. Not I love I public speaking. Do you love public speaking? I love it. But I was Same. always the narrator in my school plays. Me too. <gasps> oh no, we have talked Stuart? about this before. I absolutely detest it. <laughs> but you're a great performer. Maybe we've like we've hit on something here. I don't want to think too much about that because I might discover something about myself yeah. that means I'm going to have to rethink everything I've put my life into. Yeah. You know? And I think that actually, I love it when things lead on. I'm really sorry. I don't mean it to like lead on and keep the structure. Segway. Oh, you love structure and segways. I do. Uh, I I I just want to rewind a little bit, and and I think it's it only is really hard, and I really don't like it when I have to be me. If if it's like in a piece, and I've got to speak and perform it. Actually, yeah, be not myself. I can either be behind my tuba or a kind of a character big name actor right here it becomes easy and like i don't i don't mind it so much but it has to be yeah this element of weird performative stuff whereas if i'm introducing a piece in a brass quintet recital my whole body just kind of like locks up a bit i used to feel envious of singers because i thought they were so lucky they could use their voice didn't have something in the way i always felt my cello got in the way Oh, but I liked having you that like thing in it the way. in the way. I hated wow. it in the way. I mean, I've got over that, but I, that was the natural feeling. Was like I don't like this thing being in between me and the audience. It's the reason why I like sitting at the back of the orchestra as well, because it mm. not only you got something in front of you, you got quite a way of stage before you hit anybody. So I had this big kind of issue with like playing solo rep as well for quite a bit of time, and I really didn't enjoy it because you're right in front of the audience and there's nobody and they are looking at you and that made me like squirm a little bit you shared this week was like around the idea of i'm feeling this way so i should look thin and ill and people yeah people assume that you're successful or busy or yeah because you look thin and ill i'm just wondering if you could like explain kind of how is it to like experience these sort of eating disorder type thoughts again and like confront them face on yeah i mean i guess um you feel frustrated that you you've taken quote unquote some steps backwards i think yeah i'd been really stressed about these auditions and i didn't feel like i was getting anywhere and i feel like particularly going to an orchestra rehearsal where uh you see people that you haven't seen in a long time and it is this slight 
one-upmanship of who's the busiest and not that I had this with particular people but I think I always have that subconscious pressure that people are going to be like how busy are you what are you up to what gigs are you doing and whenever I see people that I haven't seen for a while I'm like oh my gosh I've put on so much weight like I know I know this and most of the time I'm completely fine with that but it's always that comparison of when they last saw me I would have been a size blah blah and now I'm a lot bigger so I think there are a couple of factors that played into it I don't know if like I would definitely love to go to therapy again at some point when Mm. I can afford it not necessarily because I feel like I'm at a crisis point but just because I would like to do some more work on it it's one of those situations watching it and and reading it where I think oh my gosh to have that like insight is kind of amazing that you can experience that and say it in the Mm. way that you did because that's one thing that, like, those thoughts and stuff has been something that have been, like, my coping mechanism, you know, and not something that you want to share necessarily. Because mm. it's, like, something that's kind of safe. It's, like, a sort of nice, like, mm. toxic, tortured artist, yeah. fun thing to keep to yourself. Like, oh, yeah, let's see how stressed and thing I can get in this time yeah. or whatever. And, like, it's massive. You want to share yeah, I just, to some I, degree. I think I just... I experienced them so often and at that point I was just so fed up and I chose to just put it out there. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, it felt like a boiling point of something has to give and if it just means me saying it on the platform, that will do this time, you know. Mm. Um, It was funny though because my counselling tutor, she was like, yeah, you know what I'd like from you, Rebecca? It's just, you know, you seem to talk about a lot of your past problems and I was wondering whether you could talk about some things that are affecting you like now instead because like in all my journals I'm like oh yeah back when I was at school and I had an eating disorder oh yeah back when my parents said this to me when I was eight blah 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 and she was like you know it'd be good to you know have some more up-to-date things and I'm like but I'm living in the past (laughs) how do you I was wondering about Stuart as well Uh, I, I know that we've talked about this so I'm not putting you on the spot but how do you find it living and supporting somebody that because I you do support I'm not I'm not trying to put you in a tribute yeah how would it feel to actually support me sometimes yeah. you know <laughs> um but like what is it like living with somebody that has these thoughts and puts them online yeah puts them All right, online. living with you I we've found a really nice balance of just very openly communicating about all matter of things not just eating disorder and the range of things that we feel comfortable saying look ah actually this thing or xyz i'm i'm not feeling great about from either side and just having that expectation that the other person you you know they're just going to listen and they're not necessarily going to say anything profound or they're going to sort that problem out for you but just even having someone you know is always happy to listen to you, I think that's how I kind of viewed how we live together. And that's the only thing I can really do is just be there and listen. Oftentimes you'll allow yourself to find a an answer or a, a solution or just having sitting in that space of yeah we feel pretty shit right now or i feel pretty shit right now or you feel pretty shit right now 
but that's okay. It's so it's okay to feel those ways, but being in having in mind how we both use those thoughts and the things that we do, yeah, like for example, you were just saying you're itching quite a lot now. So I I know that I, I can I can see it when it happens and just being able to be clued into oh I can tell something's up, but having that kind of space to say do you want to talk about it is it something that we can talk about right now or is it a conversation for another day but even just saying that is giving the giving the space to provide an answer or not and I think in previous years I've been very poor at communicating with like a lot of people around me being able to communicate better mm. is something that i've really learned from you and when i say you i mean Becca. like the thing i take from what you just said was like we are both together with our equal issues i don't want to turn this into the <laughs> Stuart, but we should release this on valentine's day uh, <laughs> but for sure like in the past whether we're like uh ex-boyfriends or close like friends or family members it can sometimes feel like yeah they're like you know you and your problems Mm -hmm. and you do feel like a burden because it feels like they haven't got any stuff to that you chat about or that they share I you know I can imagine that sometimes it can feel like you know oh to be fair I've had this with other friends who I feel like their issues are more important quote unquote um than mine and it can feel that you don't want to share your problems because you feel, in comparison, they are not as big or whatever. But then that leads the person that does have those issues to feel a bit isolated and yet a burden because it's always one-way sharing. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, you know, I expect you to give me one deep, dark thought, every deep, dark thought that <laughs> I give you. An eye for an eye. Yeah, but it is that thing of I, I love that you bring your shit to the table too this is literally so cringe but like any personal wins because i don't know i'm only thinking this because it's been a really bad week for me yeah i can't think of anything so i'm just wondering if there's been any like real wins we want to share (laughs) and if not radio silence i'll go first yeah, go on then, Hattie. Give us time to think. This is hilarious. So, I, as I kind of mentioned, I've been struggling with my relationship with the cello a lot. And kind of just feeling like pissed off that it's not the first thing I want to do to relax. And it's not something that I can do anymore very regularly. And the things I'm doing to earn money aren't cello related and all of that. And because in the last month I've totally left it alone, I feel like this last few weeks there's been like little bits here and there of like excitement coming back. Like it might be, I remember a piece, like there's this piece by John Taverner and I just randomly heard someone play it and I was like, I really want to learn that just for fun. And I went to the shop downstairs and I bought it. And then I was like, but I don't have a music stand. So I like bought the music stand as well. Yeah. And I just felt like a massive win because I was like, I've done this really because I want to. 
like and I have no pressure and I went home and I like just like played through it played through a few like bits and it was like so restorative and I feel like my practice up till now in the last few years has been always like to get somewhere like Mm. really draining really like I ought to do this and finally it was like oh my gosh this piece came to me I remember really wanting to play it and I I wanted to play it and I did and almost as if you love music can you believe it isn't that nuts oh hey there at this point in the podcast I lost a load of audio something that would never have happened if Hattie had been editing Um, So we're jumping back into the conversation where I was saying that I was really proud of having handed in my notice to one of my teaching uh, commitments. I've literally just started and I handed in my notice and... How did it feel? I felt so scared that they were going to come back and be like, why are you leaving? You're so irresponsible. I can't believe you've not committed. You've let us down. But they just replied like, oh, we're really sorry to hear that. We'll start the leaving process. And it was like, oh, yeah, I forgot they can't just be like, why are you leaving? What's going on? So and like every... ghost them, so everything's good. <laughs> yeah, and every time I've been in since, every one time, um, I've been like, actually, this kind of comes under, like, I'm leaving for my mental health. Mm. Mm. And I'm doing this so that I can get to a place of, healthier mental mm. state let's do it uh personal win like a little win for me um kind of it links back to what we were saying earlier like very briefly about when people ask you how you how you are or what you're up to and the one that always gets me is like oh what are you up to next week something that is so kind of short scale and if you don't have anything in like this week I've got nothing on this week which is really exciting and like nice to actually have some time to decompress and chill out and watch some winter olympics um don't even get me started on the curly very intense um but so usually I'm very much always trying to fill that with I'm doing something and kind of not making a mountain out of a molehill but being like oh, I'm yeah prepping for this audition coming up or even sometimes I've I've thought about a gig that I'm doing like in a month's time and got so stressed about it. it's like I need to start thinking about this gig so then I'll I'll accidentally mention oh, I'm doing this thing but actually it's in like a month's time <laughs> just to like seem just busy. to seem busy and it is <laughs> really awful and i don't like it so my little victory was last week when somebody asked me at work oh what have you got coming up next week i said nothing and i am really looking forward to it and it's going to be a little break and just being to somebody i essentially never met before look i I don't have any gigs on next week i'm just gonna chill out on the sofa and go at my own pace and i'm really looking forward to it um it was yeah a little victory for me just want to watch the curling and peace exactly to be fair i have i have been thinking not not about giving up giving up music but because i always think that i don't have any hobbies that are like very interesting just like shoehorning in oh yeah i curl by the way right at the beginning of any conversation with anybody if i had four years and i could choose any like winter olympic sport and like, what do I think I'd be most likely to get to the Olympics in? Oh, most likely. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And I said bobsleigh. I think I could. I think I could do it. 
I think if someone invested time and energy... Two man me, or four man? Oh, two man. Who would oh, be your partner? I'd be at the front. You. Yes. Ha-ha. Your TV. No, because, like, you know, there's four of us in the, our family. We did, we did joke oh, yeah. about the idea okay. of all four of us getting in a bobsleigh out would be quite brilliant. Okay, well, this has been Things Musicians <laughs> Don't Talk About. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TMDTA Podcast. You can also buy us a coffee... Link is in our Instagram bio. You can buy a sticker. You could buy a sticker. I need to order more if you guys want them. But that's also in our link in our bio. On you can buy them on Bandcamp. And if you also want to sponsor us for millions of pounds, you can also just contact <laughs> us anytime. We'll pick up the phone. <laughs> we will we'll be there. Will. Um, yeah, I think that's it from us. Stuart, do you have any social media? Uh... Nothing that's very interesting. Sorry, sorry, guys. We'll turn to bio, though, that people can read on the website. Wait for the drop. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's been really nice. Yeah. Thanks for helping the vulnerable space. (laughs) And with the the mind. Piece of time. Could trumpet be ASMR? Probably. Not the trumpet you were playing at Lucerne. That's not very calming. Who's gonna? Can I start? I never start. What do I say?